close your eyes and imagine this. You're sitting at an NFL football game between the LA Chargers and the Miami Dolphins, and there's these two really rigid, mechanical-looking people sitting in front of you. You're not quite sure. Could be somebody that's a total hipster. He's kind of bald. She's kind of bald. You never know. And then you realize they're not actually real. They are AI robots that are sitting in the crowd posing as NFL fans as part of a promo for the new film called The Creator in the classic Man Against Machine movie. Okay, how many times are we going to keep making this movie about how robots take over the world and they're mean and evil? I don't know how many times we're going to do it. It's been done a lot of times before. Westworld has completely lost me with its robots. You could go back to Battlestar Galactica and look at the relationship between humans and the cyborgs. Can we call them cyborgs? They weren't cyborgs. They were robots, intelligent robots. Demerzel from Foundation. There are so many examples in Hollywood of robots running amok, doing bad things. And so today we are talking to a roboticist who is a lovely Frenchman who's now living up in the north of Scotland getting his PhD. He's going to talk to us about love, yay, sex, hurrah, and robots. Stay tuned. Hello, you are listening to Tiny Little Victories. I love it when the guest is actually laughing before I finish my intro. Don't you love that? You know it's going to be a good show. Just laugh away back there, Alexander. Just laugh away. (laughs) This is Jennifer Kite-Powell. I am your host, and this is still Tiny Little Victories. And I am so glad you're back with us today because I have a roboticist with us here on the phone all the way from Scotland. Say hello to everybody, Alexander. Hi, everyone. Uh, How are you? Okay, he's also French, I just want to say, so maybe this is like the normal French way to say, hello et bonjour, I am so cool, I talk very low, bonsoir. (laughs) (laughs) You're a very jolly person for a French person, though, actually. Oh, man, I still have my cigarette and my red wine when I speak. (laughs) Of course, I would expect nothing less, and I would expect nothing less, but because you're so amazing and incredible, and just to give everybody a send up for who you actually are and who they're listening to, this is Alexander Cole, and he is a roboticist. He is also an entrepreneur who has started a number of com- uh, companion robotic companies, and right now, he is sitting his little French ass up there in Scotland. It's cold. He's out in a field. He has some red wine, and he has a cigarette maybe because he is getting his PhD in robotics with a focus on aesthetics and robotics, which I think is fascinating. Yes, fascinating because I met you, Alexander, when you were in your other life, which was luxury retail at a very sexy hotel called Hotel Particulier. And I believe we were drinking Chablis in Paris. Am I right? Or am I half remembering this correctly? (laughs) <laughs> we were on the terrace. Uh, ah, the, see, a terrace. Uh, yeah, a terrace to l'hôtel particulier Montmartre. And oui. but we had Condrieux. Oh. How uh, dare you mix Chablis? How dare I mix Chablis with Condrieux? Ah. I think there was three bottles, right? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, I stopped yes. counting after the first. Yeah, you stopped counting. It's very difficult because just to paint a picture for everybody, this Hotel Particulier is 
Um, they're pretty much very wealthy people's old homes that they can't afford anymore, I guess. And they're turned into these very bespoke uh, experiential hotels with what, like six rooms or so private, yeah. like a bar on the terrace. And you were responsible for managing that and turning that into the delicate little beautiful slice of heaven that it was up there on the hilltop overlooking Paris. Oh yeah. that was, that was such a good experience. So we yeah. took it over with the, uh, the actual director and then we had the fun making this like, this is the place it is right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by the way, it was it used to be owned by Thomas von Galter from Daft Punk, just as a side story. What? what? No way. Daft, yeah. The Daft Punk guy used to own that? Yeah. The, the, the you know, the robot with the golden... Yeah. Yeah, I know Daft Punk. One. Yeah. So wait, so, but he owned the house after the original owners then, right? Yeah, yeah. After And after okay. it was bought by uh, my partners at the time after. So okay. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that you obviously have a background in luxury retail and you've always been very focused on aesthetics and design. And then, but when we had met over these three bottles of Covieux, um, <laughs> we, you were really into robotics at that time and you were very, very insistent that they should be better. They should look better and they should have a much better purpose between humans and how they interacted with them. And this is how you began your path down this robotics uh, journey that you're on. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It was a bit of a naive approach, but I, I think sometimes <laughs> it's good to be naive. You know, like, yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, you know, like, oh. I, I, uh, and I was seeing uh, these wonderful technologies. And I think one video made me, like, made me change, change my mind. It was... Barack Obama was in Japan, and he was he went to Honda um, to have mm. a showcase of a robot. And yeah, they come was, out and do their little dance. They come out yeah. and do their little Honda dance. Yeah. You had Azimo. Uh, I think it was it's called Azimo, and you had like this kind of a chair. Uh, it's kind of a chair uh, carrying uh, a person. Yeah. And, um, and Obama was like looking at this and. The amazing tech, but the display was so bad, and video was crap. And then, like, <laughs> I was like, "How can you show something like so cool, like like that?" And because I come from fashion, I used to yeah. be touchy as well. And then we we make like a half a half sorry half a thought, and then we make it so nice, like people will buy it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like this sense of product was really missing. This sense of mm -hmm. like. Uh, identity, branding, all these things, and I was puzzled because I love robotics. Yeah, since I'm a kid. Right. So, so, so you don't with your with your you know your fashion background, Versace and all these other brands. That made make sense to you that you would see something like this and see like the opportunity to be able to. Why are we making these things so damn ugly, basically? And you know, I love that you you had something really beautiful. You said you came with maybe a naive approach, but in a way. It's it's probably better for ingenuity and to come from something to something because then you can see and you begin to question, right? Like, why are we building this thing? Why are these things so ugly? Like, why is there not some beautiful design? Who says that robotics and design are mutually exclusive? Yeah, you're right. But I think as well, we carry culture as a baggage, uh, even in design, you know, like everybody's talking about the 10 principle of design from Dieter Rams, for example. And some people now start to criticize that. And this is like, you know, the foundation of all the, the phones and the computers you have mostly. Mm -hmm. 
come from uh, Brown and then like this school of design. The same thing in robotics. I think robotics and tech in general is really influenced by sci-fi. Look yeah. at all yeah. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Do you see like um, people talk about Josie the robot and like uh, Terminator? Yeah. Right? Oh, this is one of the other. Terminator. Yeah. Well, speaking of robots influenced by Hollywood, I love that you said that because I know that you recently did a lecture uh, on the movie Her. And your lecture was on Can We Love a Machine? And that movie came out in 2013, which, you know, 10 years ago. It's been in the news a lot lately. But I think it's really interesting that you were talking about how Hollywood sort of informs a lot of our perception of robots. And you just did this lecture on Can We Love a Machine? And so by what was your what was the point you wanted to get across to people in the lecture about Can We Love a Machine? Because in that movie, it really wasn't a physical robot. It was the AI voice. But I do think that's part of, you know, robots and whether or not they sound or feel, well, actually, to your point, can we love a machine? Yeah, I think there's two points in that because we, I think a lot of people were surprised by the sudden rise of AI. I think this last year was like this big slap in people's face uh, and Mm -hmm. from ChatGPT and also on. So now you start to see uh, from uh, language models and from uh, agent chatbots, like it's a very convincing device, and which is her is about. It's like it's a chatbot, very advanced chatbot, with the voice, with one of the most amazing voice in the in the cinema as well. Uh, to at the end, uh, to fall in love with a machine, and the perception of it in this movie is to me a little bit. It's so. Of, of, I, oh, sorry. Let me start again. So it's very, 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 it was very um, uh, visionary because he saw something there uh, and then now we see it happening. But I well, think I mean, I think I think it was visionary. That was 10 years ago. And to your point of how AI is, people just woke up and now all of a sudden we're completely obsessed with AI. Yeah. And we've got a whole bunch of white guys, white tech guys going to the White House here in America talking about, yes, AI should be safe. But like... Like there's all this huge race to run towards AI and Spike Jones made this movie 10 years ago when we were, I feel like we were, it was not in the cocktail conversation at that point in time. Like at least, at least not, you know, regular cocktail conversation at that time. Yeah, and now it's. They didn't show the risk. I think they show the risk yeah. of falling in love and being heartbroken. And this is something that happened all the time. But did the real risk would be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, that happens that. all the time. You and I oh. both know that very, very well. Every day. Um, every day, every day we fall in love and get our hearts broken. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that, yes, you are romantic, though. I love that about you. I am, too. So I'm happy to fall in love and get my heart broken. Um, but the point, of, I think one of the, uh, uh, sorry, tangentially related is, I think Spike Jones made this about his ex-wife, this movie, about falling in love and getting your heart broken. So he was able to decide to use this robotics and AI as a way to tell that story, which of course then changes the way people relate to AI. You know, I mean, I think because we don't know enough and humans are so naive, right? We believe everything just about that. I think that's why it was such a poignant movie, right? It really made you think, can you really love a machine? Yeah. And so I think what's missing as well is the embodiment of it because to, to, more, yeah, to yeah. reach to, uh, I, like, 
of seriously, like in Westworld, for example, like these really convincing uh, robots, which are almost flesh. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like in, the, in Westworld, I was uh, the, the story went crazy to the point where I was like, okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Westworld just lost his track. Um, oh, I, I can't follow it anymore. And I'm pretty smart. I was like, what the F is happening here? Like, I don't even, <laughs> too much for me. And, you know, do you, do you remember longer than 2013, maybe 2007, there was a reboot of a show called Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. And it, oh, we talked and, about it at the time. Yeah, I remember. Yes. Remember we talked about it. Yes. And to me, that is the best still to this day. And I'm sorry that people don't talk about it more. And I'm sorry that they don't put this thing high on the ranks because it was the best way that they began to look at the human robot interaction, the synthesis between the two species. I'm going to say species here. I just said it, (laughs) but I love the way that show portrayed. Can you love, can you love a cyborg? Can you love a, a cyborg or a robot, which they called toasters because they were machines, but the derogatory nature which we do in human nature, right? We don't like another species. We don't like another culture. We tend to be so derogatory and hateful. And I think that film really showed, like, can you can you fall in love with a machine, right? Yeah. What makes it's, what makes something real? What makes something f- feel like it's real? But I think between a very convincing humanoid robot and and to me as well, there's like massive. There's going to be massive issue from that. One thing, remember, like you know, the uncanny valley, which is. It's not a it's not a theory. It's like it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a educated guest on the white paper. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because it makes me crazy when all those clowns talk about them. Like it's just they're just guessing. They don't know. Yeah. But you, there you have some studies <laughs> coming up recently, like showing more, like some correlation towards. But the curve. Anyway. So, but one thing is clear is like the more a robot looks like. A human, because like the, the the argument is like the more it looks like a human, the more we're going to interact with it positively, or the more we're going to because it, it mimic our social norms, we are going to follow that robot blindly. But I think it's not true. People yeah. are because people don't follow people blindly. Um, That's so this is the thing. Like we 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 yeah. are our own human flaws. Like we don't follow yeah. other people blindly. Why would a robot follow? Some, why would we blindly follow? Ro- oh, I can't make a sentence. I'm getting so worked up. I'm getting so hyper over this right now because you're right. You're right. We are just full of conflict, humans, which is frightens okay. me about the future. And just can I also jump in and say, since we're on the subject of you doing your lecture and then you bringing up Westworld, which blows my mind constantly, can we just talk about Demerzel, the, the intelligent robot in the uh, foundation, which was written by Isaac Asimov? Have you seen this? Oh, I read it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't read it. I saw it. Now I'm going to go backwards and read it. But she is blowing my mind right now, right? This super intelligent, loyal robot that's been here for thousands and thousands of years that many people don't even know. But She has this inane ability to like connect to people, to kill people, to motivate people. Yeah. But yeah. to follow the fucking plan, right? Like <laughs> to follow she the plan. gonna have to put explicit lyrics on this one um, to follow the yeah. plan. And I think to your point earlier about like, would we blindly follow? Would we blindly follow a robot? Would a robot blindly follow its own ideas for what it needs to do? Is I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we have anything to be afraid of except for ourselves. Yeah, I think so because <laughs> I mean. 
you you have as well what, what's so again a robot they are that's my favorite catchphrase uh my friend came out <laughs> with this, so uh what's your favorite so catchphrase it's robot are the embodiment of ai mm. so they're not work that a robot without control without vision we have all, like a controller like something a com computing all these parameters a robot is just like a bunch of hardware assembled together and that's it so mm -hmm. what make it right now like mobile what makes it like in the future maybe lovable or maybe it's going to be the ai is going to power it um, yeah so you have as a uh uh so how, what is going to drive all these sensors? What is going to drive all this information? And uh, that will, this is what is going to make the robot as they will be. The shape, I think, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. In a way. Yeah, I think, you're probably, I think that's probably true. Because, I, I mean, okay, you're going to have, of course, the shape matters because my work is robotic and aesthetics. But I think... Um, uh, this is why I'm sure a toaster, for example, like, you know, remember in <laughs> Ghostbuster? Ghostbuster, yeah. like they put the slime in the toaster, you start then. Yeah. And then um, it became more alive. It, yeah, it became more alive. And I think you have try, you try to have sex with it. Yeah. And, uh, sex has always plays a role in everything. <laughs> yeah, with a toaster. <laughs> the toaster. And but so I mean, also they use that same line in Battlestar Galactica with Caprica. Like, how could you have sex with a toaster when this guy was already madly in love with her? You know, it's like he didn't see her as a toaster. He saw her as like somebody he loved. Of course, she yeah, looks smoking hot. But Exactly. Yeah, ex this is like. But that's the thing, right, too. They're so smoking hot. They're, all these babe robots in the future are like huge boobs, like perfect little Barbie bodies. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. Like, who would it? <laughs> because again, I think we anthropomorphize everything, and like totally, one hundred percent. Maybe like uh, uh, the, the aesthetics from two thousand and the aesthetics from nineteen fifty. Maybe even for human will change. Who knows what we're going to like? You know, there is yeah, like yes, exactly. Sexuality has evolved. Um, what? Who knows who are going to like? I think it was um, Rick and Morty. Like, uh, and especially I think Rick, <laughs> he has. He, he likes to have sex with all sorts of creatures, or you know, even so. What if, um, because this attraction we're gathering right now, are we just attracted? So, in one hand, in her, we're attracted to a soul, we're attracted to some, some, uh, there's that Char there's one characteristic, scene. yeah, characteristic. There's one scene of it where they have a coitus, I think, um, but the. <laughs> The rest is uh, it's much more platonic, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, like a physicality in, in, in a robot, and then what you're looking for as a partner, there could be, a, that could be to exert like some sexual uh, uh, activities, uh, let's say, in yeah. the machine. Yeah. So what if, but as well, what in terms of shape, what in terms of like acceptance of, 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 of I think this is the the spectrum is quite is quite large, and at the same yeah. thing, not just for sex, but I think for our everyday interaction, um, what we're looking for in a machine or in sentience or to, at the end to get a bond is mm -hmm. what we call the affective loop. The affective, affective loop. Okay. Affective loop is like I 
like an animal, a dog, anything which uh, a tiny fish action. <laughs> so you, you, you have this acknowledgement of your mm. action towards like some, like an animal or something. And then it will give you a feedback, like a, a, a movement. And a feedback a, loop. Yeah, feedback loop. I, you know, there's a really good song called, uh, I, I remember who writes it, Grizzly, I think. Yeah, Feedback Loop. Uh, yeah. I'll, we'll find that up for the, is it Grizzly? No. It's a great song. It's like, it says um, something like that quirky little feedback loop, which I think, okay, I'm being very pop culture today. Uh, you're okay. talking about an effective loop, a feedback loop. You are 100% talking about very human connect connective type behavior an effective loop can happen between like me and my dog my beagle Gigi you and I have known each other for many years there's an effective loop there like what do you have what kind of relationship do you have with this person that keeps giving you feedback that you want to keep having a relationship with this person or you like them whether or not it's sexual platonic intellectual educational and I think the feedback loops that you you people you roboticist people are working to make put into these next generation of robotics, whether or not this, the soft robotics, which we haven't even gotten into yet, which I want to get into is really all about, you know, are you, how much of yourself are you putting into those effective loops, that learning behavior, which is why Westworld is so troubling. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if what is happening in Westworld with how they think they have some serious feedback loops. Yeah, I think, but, West and I know world. it's not real, but I mean, you know, somebody's working on that. Yeah, no, I'm sure. But you have <laughs> what? Uh, what's his name? The the main uh, engineer, which is actually the robot. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. The the guy. Yeah, he didn't know he, he didn't know he was a robot. Yeah. Um, the the character Renard Renard Renard, I think it's in the Westworld. Anyway, is is working on. He has this little tablet, and he's. Have the cognitive architecture actually, but I, what I can see is the cognitive architecture, and they implement like these stories, and then they have the behavior, and then they have to, uh, uh, they have to obey to this like uh, loop stories, and then react towards like, you know, in a meaningful way. Um, I think this is going to be possible to program. This is going. This is pure program, which I really like. Um, after like developing a, a human it's why i don't get in this movie i don't get it but like developing like a, a real human uh, in westworld yeah in westworld or even the other one like a psyche like oh i'm gonna get revenge i'm gonna get yeah. this and that uh, well there's definitely feel- some themes that run these movies sex sex exploitation you know, take advantage of disadvantaged peoples revenge vengeance like there's there's some very you look at all of them, they're kind of at the same theme. Like, is that all we're made of as humans? I guess so. (laughs) Okay, but you want to talk about perfectly created robots, how they look or whatever we're calling them in Westworld. Let's Let's take a headline, pluck it out of the sky and discuss it here. Here's one from literally two days ago. AI robots infiltrated an NFL game with a secret mission. So there are these robots that are sitting at a LA Chargers and Miami Dolphins game on Sunday, this past Sunday. And they were just sitting in the crowd with jerseys on and headphones on. And they kind of look real. 
But like, you said yeah. they look like mechanics. They're not very attractive robots. But do they need to be? Like, number one. Number two, they're actually there to promote a sci-fi movie called The Creator, which is this new man against machine again. So here we go. Write down these scary AI robots sitting at a LA Chargers game, freaking people out. <laughs> yeah. But first of all, they're not pretty robots. You think if they were sexy with blonde hair, people would have been freaking out? Because these guys look a little scary. Okay, they're all bold. So that that I can relate. Uh, They have like uh, these big headphones. And then they look like, yeah, mechanics. Yeah, they look like headphones. Yeah. And um, I I guess, okay, do you have the technology to make this thing work? Do you need to have these big things sticking out on the side? I, I think this is for, this is like the art direction and they have to follow something which like kind of yeah 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 of course but it feeds into the hysteria because we're stupid right this is what they're going to look like the next thing you know there's facebook pages about real robots taking over the place yeah but uh, and and the trouble with that is like okay we're going to be scared about humanoid robot where the one the one leading the charge are the discreet one the one that's so true yeah the one the drones attacking the the, the, the robots on tracks now are like mounted with uh, cannons uh, in Warfield. Uh, the one or the one in the uh, MARV or have you heard? Oh, of yeah. You? you know, all these, you know, they have many robots now patrolling in the ocean. Like, uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there is a robot patrolling uh, parking lots at malls by Nightscope where it looks like a cone shaped robot like a dalek or something and it doesn't move very fast like up to two miles per hour and it has like you can you can push a button on if there's an emergency but i'm pretty sure that thing isn't going to be chasing running down like criminals stealing from the gap you know like and it but here's the thing like it's a cone-shaped robot it's supposed to not make you feel threatened right because it kind of doesn't have a face it looks like a cone in the street but a little rounded on top so they made it not to look threatening yeah and that's a paradox to me i have a story about this cone robot and um there was an article on a magazine because you know okay we talked about a story about a robot cone or these robots okay oh okay that 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 specific robot and um because uh it's night scope right the brand, yes, I think, yeah, yeah. and um, so anthropomorphism, like all, all we talk about, like feed, uh, feedback loop, and uh, the rules of anthropomorphism is uh, when you see something which you can't apprehend, you don't understand, you try to befriend it, you start to socialize with it, you start as well, you try to understand what will be its next move. Now, this is something which is ingrained in us since we are primates in the savannah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you see, so this is why we create all these stories about things moved because like, this is the foundation of religions as well. You know, like, oh, there's a cloud in the sky looking like Very a face. True. That means the, the crops will be shit or something. <laughs> and uh, that, <laughs> so you have. That's okay. Fine. We're going to put an explicit rating on this podcast today. So Sorry. it's fine. Uh, no, oh, go yeah. for it. You don't have to I, I, reel I, I, it in at all. You don't have man, to reel it in at I all. We're going to put French. explicit. Yeah. Swear in French for us. We love that. <laughs> so you have this merde robot. Um, sorry. Uh, so you have this this, uh, this this robot, which, as you say, like is non-threatening. Is doing his job around. But there was in the mall. There was a fountain, and I guess the path planning didn't work correctly, and then robot fell, ended up in a fountain. 
And the headline oh, tripped into the fountain. Uh oh, what was the headline? The headline from this newspaper was like, uh, "Robot commit suicide in the mall." <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my yeah. God! Yeah. So your anthropomorphize amp can't pronounce that word anthropomorphize everything. So we put a human comedy, a human trait on a machine because something went wrong in the software. We say it committed suicide. We yeah. are so stupid. Yeah, but I think I can't blame <laughs> us. <laughs> Why and not? Maybe, I think we should blame us. Why can't I mean, we blame us? You know, a dog, for example, like they, 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 they grew, they grew um, eyebrows because uh, yeah. in relation with, with human, to understand, to have more emotional in their facial traits, to get more treat. So I think there's a, uh, and they re react to that and then like attribute and mm. of course they're social animals but like they we attribute a lot to dogs which maybe they don't have and so this is part of anthropomorphism as well or like yeah um, I, it, I think this is all nature and sometimes you know nature yeah uh doesn't have I th if you know that that helps you as well how people would perceive robot and then that could that should give as well guidelines on what we should be maybe move be careful of how we create the machine in the future. Because on yeah. one hand, I'm very scared about this uh, uh, this new chatbot. We can be, some people will be completely oh, yeah. under their spell, completely. You know, loneliness is an epidemic. Loneliness is a catastrophe in the UK, not only yeah. for older people, but even like young people. Um, so imagine that in second, like you have this physical attribute, right? you have a physical, um, embodiment of it what's going to happen i think death will not come from 1984 will come from <laughs> uh mostly uh a brave new world from aldous Huxley. yeah i 100 agree with that and actually i'm glad you said i think we've discussed this before like alexander huxley has it right it will definitely come from a brave new world not 1984 we've proven that we are more in the brave new world take a pill you know sit back let this flow through you and over you and not resist. Like, I think that we're more in that camp than we ever in the 1984 camp for sure. Yeah. Even if some, you see some, uh, shadow figure figures now, like, uh, patronistic <laughs> figures coming up in the world, like democracy, maybe it's a threat, but I think that the, 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 what's happening with you know, the whole, uh, the attention economy, Tristan Harris, like what they, uh, what they warn us about is mm -hmm. a real, real threat and is damaging like lives of, of everybody. And then especially, I, I agree. I, I agree. I wrote an article in Forbes recently about, um, uh, Google's new synth, um, Google synth, which was going to be able to hopefully detect more fake images, deep fakes out there. And that it was, a. I really enjoyed writing the story. I talked to like six different sources from all over, but basically six different people, six different backgrounds said, you know, the problem is that there's always going to be people that will you, that will use things for not good, you know? Mm, yeah. But one of the things I thought was interesting when the facts that I dug up was that, that there've been more images created, um, since, AI came on the scene that have been created in all of the past 150 years. That oh in the first three months of, um, I didn't get this stat right. So uh, I want to make sure I get this stat totally right. But uh, before I start blapping off about what everything is, but yes, um, in 
Adobe in August of this year, just last month, uh, shared some stats on the number of AI-generated images that had been created when Adobe Firefly came out. And they launched Adobe Firefly in March of 2023. And for all of you who don't know, Adobe Firefly is a way to create AI images. Anyway, in three months, there were um, 1 billion images that had been created just on Adobe Firefly, Firefly AI images, just on Adobe. So the idea that we are producing so many fake images, fake information, AI is growing so fast, your point about it just blew out of nowhere. We can't even keep up with it in terms of how we're going to identify it because they also had a poll from the Pew Research study that found that 61% of all the Americans polled in the study said that it was too much to ask of the American people to be able to recognize an altered video and image. Too much to ask that we would have to effing sit down and think if this image wasn't real, because I think we're so used to trusting the fact that what we see in the news or used to see in the news, things were real. And it's been proven to us that that is not the case. But this 61% number is what's alarming to me. Like, we don't, we think it's too much. Please, we don't have to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but I think how can, and sometimes you just need one person. You just need this, the one person who's going to make, maybe change uh, the faith or the face of the world of the, um, this famous story of this, uh, uh, I think it was a Russian officer, officer like who refused to um, approve the, the launch code for uh, a nuclear attack right the one of the three yeah the guy said no let's wait a little bit and then because of him let's <laughs> wait a little bit <laughs> a little bit and imagine let's say you have the same thing here so i think information is it, information is key you're right uh, you know there used to be this old i will quote the bible um uh i think saint thomas was like this famous thing i believe only what i see uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a religious person, but like it's my mom always said that to me. And right now you can what, you can manipulate so easily everything you see. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. What, how yeah, do you so, yeah, so you can manipulate things. So here's uh, uh, also taken straight from the headlines is that somebody's um, obituary had been altered by AI. Uh, a former NBA's player obituary was sort of completely altered and that's now his official obituary and they can't get it unchanged like that's sort of like misinformation becoming record and fact and history because it's now inside of this data set stream right maybe the like you've got everything from federal judges ruling that ai generated art can't be copyrighted like it opens it's literally a pandora's box it just keeps going and going and going there's no who's that going to be our superhero that's going to pull it back uh i'm not sure that pull back i think is impossible and uh yeah right now or um uh, regulatory bodies like i think strong politicians and like strong action there are no strong politicians there are no strong. We don't have any. Do you have any? We don't have uh, none. <laughs> we got none. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, we're trusting Elon Musk right now to decide what's good for the country and where satellites need to go. So I think that I'll tell you how lost we are. Oh, yeah, my God. <gasps> no, it, 
so I think <gasps> you're like, oh, that's so French. Oh my god, oh my god. <gasps> I need my I need my cigarette <laughs> and my red wine. Yes, you need a cigarette and a glass of wine. Oh, very quickly. Uh, but I think uh, so. Imagine so that's the layer. This is the, co- the let's say the conscious layer, uh, or unconscious layer, maybe you can say, of what <laughs> the robot will think and see, uh, and act upon. Because they will, they, yeah. They, uh, robotics is uh, this all. They will they embody the world, and what what they will bring, yeah. which people as well sometimes forget, is like a very. Uh, uh, real-time and accurate l- representation <laughs> of the world because when you have like what machine learning feeds on what it is on data yeah and until we optimize i think they're working on it but like until we optimize the, the machine learning process it's still very 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 angry for data right now and then they need this yeah massive, it, you know, it's hungry for data i love that you again put that into a term that a human can relate to and i think um, I want to ask you one last question before we end this awesome podcast, but um, I love that you said this brings a real time and accurate representation of the world because of all the data that's going in here. And I really don't think that the people regulating AI one is going to work. And number two, I don't like the idea that we only have white 1% tech billionaires at the table, all of a sudden raising their hand saying, hey, yeah, we should totally have it regulated and let us show you how, because these guys are all stock forward focused companies. I don't think any of these guys would even save their mother if the ship was sinking, let alone (laughs) humanity. So I, I don't really, I have a lot of fear around what's happening because I think that like you said, like we are painting an accurate picture right now. And this is what robots are going to be using what AI is going to be using to turn these things into whatever they're going to be turned into. And, you know, I'm very tech forward and I love the future. And as you know, I love robots, but I just, this whole trip has really scared me a little bit about where we're going to go in five to 10 years. So that's the question that I want to ask of you as we leave is what do you think, what do you want to see in the next five years in the terms of the evolution of robotics, whether or not that's in soft robotics or that's in, um, the human-robot interaction. What is it that you, Alexander Cole, would love to see happen? Mm. I think mm. more inclusive. Take a puff off the cigarette, have a glass of wine, uh, and answer the question. Bon there you go. Bon. C'est bon. I, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, a more inclusive robotics, a more okay. sustainable robotics, a more uh, maybe as well, uh, conscious, conscious, like human-centered robotics. Uh, oh yeah, which we don't. I think we tr- we we think we do it, but we don't really <laughs> right now. And and but unless we need to, we have systemic change as well for robotics, which won't I won't see happening yet. It will from the advance of now the way we manufacture things. Because hmm. how can you manufacture? How can you make? Oh, say sorry. The brain condition <laughs> evolves very quickly. Hardware to make it, to modify it is very hard. Yeah. Because you need to have supply chain, blah, blah, blah. So I think now we reach a stage where we are going to see a machine making machines. And this, in one hand. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Like a 3D printing. Yeah. Design oh, for that's true. Manufacturing, design for assembly, design for X space. All these principles are helping. Building better, faster, more sustainably, 
uh, and then less relying on like this massive large supply chain. Uh, one yeah. major problem I can see, although, is the access for all the firmware, like all the uh, computers, uh, sorry, chips, the chip shortage is, 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 yeah. is very scary. And now you see how now it's become strategic. It used to be petrol was, but I still, it still is. But now, but now it's, it's chips. chips. Yeah, it's so true. That's so chips true. And da- uh, so you have data on one hand, but like who's making these data do something is the chips. NVIDIA, like... Uh, That's so true. We forget... The human... Regular people don't think about those things. Like, they don't... I don't even think half the people know there's a chip in their phone. Like, nobody gets it. Right? Just don't understand this teeny tiny... Also, little tiny thing that's made up of so many valuable particles and minerals. It's like, it's so critical. Yeah. And I'm glad... So, um, I'm I'm kind of participating right now. Uh, I'm working with a... In uh, an American company uh, right now called Crow Industry, and then this mm-hmm. is really what they're looking for because chips, exactly as you say, before the chips, you have like all these minerals, critical minerals, and yes. access to that. And uh, so we were talking about it the other day. So you have like in Arizona, you will mm-hmm. di- we will dig cobalt, or you will not cobalt, you will uh, copper, it will to China. China yeah. will extract 20 different things out of it to go in 20 different, 50 different applications. And it would go back to the US with a price tag. And then like something which is made in the US actually, it, it losing most of the value somewhere else. We're all talking about foundational and fundamental technology in order for all of this stuff to happen, which to me is in the shadows, right? Yeah. Like what you just talked about is super shadowy. It is. And I think... So as part of this is why robots they're part of this whole of this whole supply chain right now of this all uh, uh, we need to be very aware of that to push progress mm. in the direction where we can not only have the control of data I think a, a national control of data because nations should control uh, I think what's happening uh, much tighter regulations why regulation is there. But as well, like sovereignty in manufacturing, sovereignty in uh, accessibility to critical mineral or like, because this become, they will be the next oil. Um, mm. And the US, I think, is very well equipped. Uh, lithium, you have lithium, you have copper, uh, you have like, I think, lots of minerals you can, you can use technology to create now chips, uh, to put these chips back into machine, to have this machine deplo- like locally. And, and as well, and if we want them to be infiltrated for our benefit in our homes, we should make them with people. And then we need yeah, them to yeah. design, co-design, uh, yeah. human-centric design will help yeah. make better, more efficient, more accepted, and more like useful machines. And not just yeah. making like product for the sake of it. And this yeah, is I think I, I don't think people know what they want. Like. What does the regular Joe consumer want to buy? Don't know what they want to buy, but we can know what they need. We can understand the needs of users. And this is the whole work of talented designer like me and my team. Ha. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like me. Yeah, exactly. Like me. I should thank me. Like Snoop Dogg. You should, should thank should yourself. Should Actually, thank you should thank yourself. Let's give you a big round of applause <laughs> for all the stuff you've done. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for us. 
myself <laughs> and the, the team, like people working with me. And yeah. Like, uh, uh, because yeah, I'm not alone. I have my own my my, my, my yeah. business partners and, and fantastic talented people. But like it, but as well, this is uh, that's the goal and how to make these machines, I think, more inclusive. You know, imagine in like a, when you work with older folks, there's a there's a dramatic. When I, I, I can't hide my, my the, the dramatic. I, I should be more French. This is trop dramatique. Dram- um, there you go. Perfect. Problem coming in the future, where, for example, for all the adults, we don't have enough care workers. Yes, care I think I think I think again, this comes back to um, we. You and I have talked about this before, and just for everybody listening out there, we're talking about like there's not enough people to go in to homes or to help people who are living alone, senior citizens or people that need care or companionship. Yeah. So you know, I think about a use case, and I think well, maybe that's a good use case versus another news headline which just happened 21 hours ago, which is some software drink company appointed an AI robot as an experimental CEO. So to me, we're just full of folly. You know, it's like, what is a real world problem? We can solve loneliness. Can we solve the fact that we have no care workers to people that are, that can still live in their own homes, but don't have enough people to come in? Like, is that telerobotics? But the fact that we like thinking, yeah, let's get an AI robot to be an experimental CEO. I mean, honestly, these CEOs today can't run companies worth shit. So maybe this CEO, this experimental CEO, will do a lot better than half the clowns out there right now. I would yeah. like to know. But to me, we're just folly. It's just folly, which is why I love the people behind the scenes like you and your team and other people that are really looking at these bigger problems, these bigger issues to solve human-centric robotics, soft robotics, things that we can apply that affect someone's life. Because an experimental CEO is just going to really not go well. Like <laughs> having fans sit in the state in the seat with like seeing like robots that they think are actually real and not a promo for a movie and have them freaking out on Facebook. It's not going to go well in the end. Maybe you have like a like of, this is all about the shortage of, 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 of worker, right? And the mall cop, uh, potentially maybe someone can do a better job, but can they? And um, we need to have the right question about society, like how what people should do for their work. You know, erase this kind of worm as well, like uh, universal income. Uh, if less people are working, uh, take job replaced by robot, which is irony right now. It's like this is not the blue color; this is the white color that's getting replaced by AI, like the lawyers and then the accountant and then the business analyst and so so on and so forth. This is like. Uh, I think someone, a waiter um, at Applebee's will have merchants to keep their work like uh, as an accountant in the past, in the next five years. Um, and again, robotics, like we throw this, it's, it's kind of, it's going to be for me, my, my, my fear is going to be like the immigrant uh, rhetoric uh, for the 20, 20 30s uh, years, right? It's like, oh, robots steal your job. Let's, let's, Let's let's kill them. We we keep depicting how robots will be, but yet we're not living that robot fat. We're not, we're still using them as gimmicks, like you know, experimental CEO or NFL, yeah, fan. <laughs> and I wonder if you could just leave us with one 
thing that you've created in your life with robots that you want to tell the world about? Short, one thing. What have you created? Have you created anything for um, us? I, Besides a shoe? A sh- no, a shoe robot. <laughs> a shoe robot. No, I created um, a pillow robot. Oh, okay. A pillow robot. I love that. Uh, and the goal was to make something which can blend in a beautiful environment, interior design, like the hotel, the particular. Yeah, okay. It's a beautiful pillow. And what it becomes alive, you know, what it becomes like. So he keeps his softness, uh, but it becomes a companion as well. So I I love that. I love the guy in the Netherlands that created a breathing pillow. Yeah. Um, so that it was helping people that couldn't sleep. And so what it would do is it would mimic the breathing, the natural breathing rhythms of the human body. And then you would hold it and it breathes. And then you begin to breathe with it. And then you go to sleep. It's fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Through the using like new technologies, which are, uh, actuate on actuation on construction. So we're making like a real living and breathing pillow. <laughs> and uh, I love it. A real yeah. living, breathing pillow. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. A real, beautiful, living, breathing pillow. I love that. Ma. What's oh? It's called what? Ma. Ma. That's M-A-H. very soothing. Yeah. Ma. Okay. When can we see this, Ma? Uh, soon. We are okay. Starting deliveries now to the national okay. time to uh, uh, only as a research platform for now. And, oh, okay. Um, well, if you could give us some notes, we'll put it in. I mean, you could tell me later after this podcast, I'll put it in the notes because I think it's very interesting. Um, this soft, beautiful, luxury pillow called Ma. You want to hear it? What, the pillow? Yeah. Listen. Sure. I mean, if we can. Can you hear it? I hear it, but that sounds like a little gremlin. Yeah. When you're scared, it's like that. Okay, I'm not... Oh, he's scared now. He doesn't want to be on the podcast because actually that doesn't sound very soothing to me. <laughs> that was like, it's a scared ma. Okay, um, this is a scared ma. Probably not a good example of a soothing pillow. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the night, there's a fright. Well, we'll put all this in the notes for everybody. And Alexander, thank you for calling in so late in Scotland. We know it's cold and dark up there, but we're so happy to have you and hear your voice and your thoughts on robots in the future. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much. Talking to you as well. Season three, off to a rip-roaring start with Alexander Cole, our local roboticist. Actually, he's not so local, is he? Depending on where he is, he is our local roboticist, and I love that. So if you have any questions for Alexander, you can actually put them in your comment section on this Spotify podcast app. I think that's pretty amazing. So I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. I know he'll answer them for you. We put everything in the notes that you need to know. So I just want to let you know that on the next episode of Tiny Little Victories, we are mixing it up a lot. Think of ice cubes in a container with gin, little like spritz of vermouth, shake, 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 shake. We're mixing it up and it's a little bit 
off format for us. But hey, does that keep you excited? Does that keep you engaged? It would keep me engaged. You just never know what you're going to get, which I love. And on that note, thank you for sharing, commenting, and rating Tiny Little Victories on Spotify and the other apps that you're on. And just a reminder for you Apple people, we are on Apple Podcasts. So if you just get all your podcast stuff there, you can go there, type in Tiny Little Victories, and poof, there we are. It's amazing. You guys have a great rest of your September, and we'll see you on the Flippy Flip on Tiny Little Victories.